HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Spill and Dish, a new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $175 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and other buyers who make up the specialty food world. If you want to know more about membership, visit specialtyfood.com. While on the site, check out our new Maker Prep course, a 12-step online program that will teach you how to take your specialty food product to the next level. In each podcast episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping to shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, George Hajar, Associate Editor at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode and so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture, and expanding the way eaters think about food. We are joined today by two guests, Angela Kamek and Jessica Amel, two sisters leading the second generation of Janet's Finest, a specialty food brand focusing on compotes that incorporate spicy jalapenos into sweet, fruity spreads. The family company sells in multiple channels, including retail and online, and customizes their selection for corporate gifts, weddings, and more. Welcome. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks. We're so glad to be here. So let's dive right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about the brand? Yeah, um, we have eight flavors of berry and jalapeno compotes, and all of our recipes are our mom's. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, she made all of the recipes when we were growing up. Um, mm -hmm. and we're the sister team running the compote business that she started now. Um, and our compotes are made to pair with specialty cheese and charcuterie. So we're really proud to be women owned, um, mm -hmm. and proud that our mom started this. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And, um, do you have any favorite product? Yeah. Uh, actually, I'd say we both probably have different favorites. Our best seller is raspberry jalapeno, but I really like the cranberry jalapeno, which um, we're kind of past the holiday season, but it's really good anytime, which is funny because I didn't really like cranberries growing up. Um, but there's something about 
adding the spice to it um, and making it, I don't know, you know, when you have the crayon cranberry, cranberry sauce, it's just sort of like this gelatinous thing that comes out of a can and it's on your Thanksgiving table. And um, I'm not sure where our mom came up with this recipe um, other than her mind and her stock pot, but it's just really flavorful. So that's my favorite. And I'd say that my favorite is actually on the other end of seasonality. Um, I love summer. It's my favorite season. It's so joyous and filled with uh, entertaining and getting together with people. So mango just really speaks to me in that way. Uh, It's really sweet. It pairs wonderfully with goat cheese, which I love, um, all the different flavors and um, in ways that you can pair uh, cheese and the brie with the mango is is delightful every time. It's uh, easy, entertaining for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And so you were saying that your mom had come up with all of the recipes in the um, in in the in the beginning of the company or in the founding of the company. Um, is there any sort of recipe creation that goes on now, or is it those uh, staple items? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, right now, we've just been sticking with the recipes that she has. So we have the eight flavors. Mm-hmm. Maybe eventually we'll do more. Um, you know, we're still establishing our brand. And so keeping it kind of the same is good mm-hmm. for us. But on the other hand, like we would love to collaborate maybe with a you know, compote flavored cheese someday, you know, mm-hmm. a cheese maker or, or something like that. So, I mean, we're open to doing those things. For sure, in the future. Yeah, that's always great to hear. Um, I feel like the specialty food in- industry is always so community based, so it's great to be willing and open to tap that, tap into that. Um, yeah. So your branding actually also speaks to this importance of community and coming together to have these like special food moments. Um, can you talk a little bit about why community is so important to your products? You know, I think that. Um... 2020 and the and the pandemic really shaped the way uh, we've emerged as a brand um, in a few different ways. Um, and one of those is that uh, the way that we gather and enjoy each other now, I think is much more meaningful than it was before the pandemic. Um, and we really take a lot of joy of being a part of that with our food and the specialty food industry. Um, being a part of that is um, is really meaningful for us. Yeah. So how was taking the reins after your mother retired? Um, how was that process, Angela? Yeah, it's um, it's hard. We realized mm-hmm. how much um, she was doing when we were growing up um, that we didn't really understand when we were younger mm-hmm. um, as she was building her business. Um but it's also really amazing. You know, it's a, it's a goal of ours to carry on her legacy um, that she started with this business. Uh, mm-hmm. She, you know, like I said, she started over stockpots in our home kitchen. So it's like you would come in from outside and the jalapenos would already sort of be simmering and you'd cough because <laughs> the, like, the <laughs> spice would be in the air in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as she added the whole berries you know the sweetness would come in so there's also like a familiarity to the compotes for us Mm -hmm. um 
you know, and she always ran her business with such humility, you know, she's mm-hmm. from the Midwest and she's got that kindness and that humbleness and that can do attitude. Um, and I think we still learn a lot of that from her and we take that from her, um, you know, and she's retired now and enjoying that, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, building that legacy and keeping it going is great. You know, one thing that happened this week, her compotes are finally on the shelves at her grocery store, oh, um, yeah. this week, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the store she shops in and, and that feels, that feels really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must feel so magical. Yeah. Um, Jessica, did you, do you have any advice for makers who are also transitioning la- leadership between generations? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, we had have such a supportive mother. Um, it really was, um, a cool transition because she was able to be a part of it with us as, um, as we were trying to sort of figure it out. And even to this day, multiple times a week, we call her up like, what, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what did you do in this situation? Or, you know, what do you think about this? And it's really, really rewarding to share that with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would encourage anybody, uh, that's going through that transition, uh, just to kind of, to appreciate that closeness that you can have, um, through that process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, so I see that you both came into the company after working outside of the food food industry. Um, do you feel that either of you have picked up any skills that made leading a specialty food business easier? Oh yeah, definitely. We, um, we both have really multifaceted backgrounds. Um, like, I have a background in children's media and nonprofit mm-hmm. and corporate. Jessica has a background in product development, which was really multifaceted as well with marketing and logistics. And I don't know, am I speaking enough to that, <laughs> Jessica? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so we're really comfortable wearing a lot of hats, uh, which we discovered really quickly is absolutely necessary in the specialty food industry. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say our experience always lends us, you know, lends well to what we're trying to do. You know, every now and then there's something where it's like, have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. So now we actually have to figure it out and and do that. But a lot of times when we're doing something new for the business, one of us has already done it in our career at some point. So that's the benefit of having, you know, started in the specialty food business later in our careers or mid career, Mm -hmm. I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also lucky there's two of us, you know, a lot of people start out on their own. And I think that we are so lucky that we get to work together as sisters because we know each other really well. And our personalities are actually really different if you Mm -hmm. know us and our skill sets are really different. And that just brings a lot of strength to the business operation. Mm -hmm. Anything you'd like to add, Jessica? Uh, no, no, I thought that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it's, it is tremendously rewarding to, uh, to go through this journey with, with Angela. Um, mm-hmm. And 
and our our skills are they're just really well matched um like she said we're really different people uh but at the core of it our values uh are the same definitely so um that really goes a long way towards reaching our goals mm-hmm. and do you feel that that's also reflected in the brand yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know, um, when we did our branding and we we rebranded um, when mm-hmm. we took over, um, we renamed the business after our mom. Mm-hmm. Felt like that was the right thing to do um, at that time, and we took a lot of time to go through our branding. And one piece of that is that we realized, you know, we're women, and our mom is a woman, and we decided it's okay to be unapologetically feminine and who we are because it's, it's who we are. And, um, you know, a lot of our buyers are women also not to say that we are, we're, we're good with everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just part of who we are. And, um, part of our logo is this bird and I'll tell the story about it really quick. Cause I think it kind of relates, um, that the bird represents a farming heritage of our family for us. Um, are, there are birds in these pin oak trees. If you can imagine southern Missouri, it's, it's all farms. Mm-hmm. And um, there are pin oak trees that line our extended family's farm down mm-hmm. there. And our great-grandmother, which is our mom's grandma, raised her kids alone in that area during the mm-hmm. Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And they really lived off the land and quite honestly, it wasn't even their land. They didn't own any land at that time. And they worked really hard and they were really grateful for every meal, you know, that they had, that they sat down together. And, um, you know, there's like no air conditioning, obviously, from when they were uh, there. And so um, even now when we have family reunions, they're outside under those oak trees. And um, that's something we like to keep at the forefront of our minds, the legacy of strong women um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we come from. And that, those, that bird just represents that legacy and that farming heritage for us. Yeah. yeah, that's such, I feel like that's, thank you for sharing that story. That feels really important to your yeah. brand and important to your mission too. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So as women working in the specialty food industry, you had mentioned before being proud of um, being a woman-owned business. Um, Do you feel that there's something that the industry should be doing better to help support women and especially women leading businesses? I think what I would add is that, you know, the specialty food industry and the SFA in general Mm -hmm. has been so foundational for us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and just kind of just taking the the women-owned business part out of it. I think that it's such a supportive community. Um, we went to the basics class in San, in San Francisco in 2019 at the mm-hmm. Fancy Food Show. And it really um, was so great for us. Um, there were so many questions we had about how do you start and succeed in this business? Mm-hmm. And uh, so many of those questions were answered. We were just blown away by all the information that we gathered um, the, the networking, we had an opp- had opportunity to be a part of, um, the materials we were given, um, you know, we, even now we go back, I mean, 
last week I went back and looked at the materials that we got at that basics class. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, and we, and we really appreciate that. It's, mm-hmm. it's been such a great resource for us. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's great to hear these, these stories. So what has been the biggest surprise about getting in the specialty food industry? Do you feel it's closely aligned to what you were saying before, or do you feel there is another surprise? Yeah, no, I think the biggest surprise has been the collaboration. And, Mm. you know, I think for us being, though we're a jam product, we are a cheese pairing. And so we can't say enough about the specialty cheese subset too of the specialty food industry who are so supportive of each other and the products that round them out like ours or the crackers or the honey or charcuterie, you know, we have so many great relationships with other makers and other brands um, that have come, you know, just in the last few years. And we're so grateful for those, you know, it's those that when you're having a hard day and you feel alone or like you, you know, you, just feel like it's really hard. And, you know, are we going to keep doing this? Yes, we're going to keep doing this. How are we going to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you kind of connect with those, those people and those relationships with other brands. So um, yeah, that, that piece was like invaluable. Mm -hmm. And also being able to sort of experience that empathy too. Um, Other people are going through it. They're in the same situation as you. Yeah. Yeah, That's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about those obstacles, those those times where you felt this might be a little bit more difficult and um, what you did to grow the business to what it is now? Yeah, yeah. I think I'll start. Do it. <laughs> I'll start by talking about 2020 and I think I'll, I'll you know, throw this over to, to Angela at some point. But, um, you know, as we all know, 2020 was such a dynamic year for mm-hmm. Um, really all businesses, but um, small businesses as, as well. And we, uh, we were, had rebranded. Uh, we were set to expand. We were super excited about the year. And, and as we know how it all un- unfolded um, was really different than, than what we thought. Um, mm-hmm. And we're really big believer, believers in the motto of plan your work mm-hmm. and work your plan. Mm-hmm. So we started out in January with plan A. We probably ended the year with like plan T. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> uh, we ran into all kinds of obstacles as everybody did with um, sourcing and, um, you know, the economy and just everything involved. But it really gave us a chance to step back and um, assess sort of like this emerging trend of charcuterie and cheese boards that we mm-hmm. saw growing on social media. I think that's something that, you know, social media was such a, a big way t- of connecting during that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a really positive experience with that. And I'll let Angela say a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of brands in 2020 and a lot of, you know, companies, everything just shut down. And I know we're three years out, but we're still talking about it because it was so pivotal for so many of us Mm -hmm. and us included. And what ended up or what started out as a huge challenge ended up being a real blessing, which is weird, but I know that that's the case for a lot of people. Um, But, you know, when we looked at the challenge, we just sat down together 
via phone in different cities because we weren't mm-hmm. seeing each other. Um, and we just talked through what we were going to do and how we were going to move forward that year. And, um, so we did turn to Instagram and we are, uh, both in our forties and Mm -hmm. (laughs) not super savvy at the time. Um, but we were starting to build our brand a little bit on Instagram and we thought, why not? Let's give this a shot. So we sent samples to, I don't know, eight or 10, Jessica, I'd say, um, yeah, probably cheese board makers. Mm -hmm. Um, on Instagram and the deal was they had to, you know, or they could use our compote on their boards, test Mm -hmm. it out, see what they thought that was that. And, um, so they did, they used them on their boards, they posted photos. And then before we knew it out of nowhere, we're selling compote wholesale to these cheese board and cheese box companies all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And by their request and like their begging, we started um, jarring and bottling one and a half ounce mini jars Mm -hmm. of compote because they were saying, you know, this is a lot easier um, for the portion size that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we were hand labeling these tiny jars, um, two (laughs) labels per jar, and we're Mm -hmm. selling thousands out of nowhere. So, you know, what else did we have to do? It was COVID. We were home. So... (laughs) (laughs) We were, <laughs> there was just a lot of like hand labeling, uh, and, and warehouse visits and labeling, yeah. more labeling. Um, that, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no worries. I'm just saying that that's great to hear. Um, it's so inspiring to see how like social media can be used to, you can leverage social media to really share the complexity behind the brand as well. And you can also yeah. use it to serve your consumers in a way that they get to directly tell you by saying they want these smaller formats. Right. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it changed our business because it changed our jar sizes. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's pretty significant and that's not something we would have decided on our own, but it's been Mm -hmm. really great. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you feel that um, also other trends in that world, especially on TikTok, things like that, where it's uh, the butter boards or the ricotta boards Mm -hmm. have also been able to help? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's been so many trends, I think, from there. And what's been really cool is also, I think that we aren't the only brand who has realized that, like, professionally, the that social media has made a difference. Um, we've had a chance to collaborate and build relationships with a lot of the cheese brands that we're connected to and a lot of other brands. Um, so while these trends were happening on TikTok, we were all sort of participating in our ways and we're making content and users are making content. And that probably sounds really stressful to someone who's not doing this right now, but it's actually fun and the relationships are really invaluable. And there's sincerity, I feel, even of those people who are, you know, forward thinking and, and kind of creating new trends is that they're trying to experience specialty food in a new way. And so I think we all should be getting on board with that because that's just in some ways the younger generation's way of finding new cheeses or finding new ways to pair things or finding new crackers, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, it's really, it's just their way of communicating. If you will, I'm saying they're anybody's way of communicating people who are on social media's way of communicating these new things and these new trends that they're 
exploring. Do you also feel that the rise of social media and using it as a marketing platform and channel has helped leverage the G2C uh, journey of a, of a shopper? Do you feel that um, it's been more important to have a strong DTC mission than to be in retail? I don't think that I would say that the DTC channel is more important than retail. Um, and not at this point, because food is so visceral. You know, there have been thousands of times that I've been looking at Instagram and boy, would I love to just reach into the screen and taste something or smell it or or whatever. And so that's really the limitation you have um, when you talk about social media. And, and while it's beautiful to see things, it's wonderful to walk into a specialty grocery store and walk up to the cheese counter. It's just fun and magical. And it's, it's to talk to a cheesemonger and get a sample or get their take on things is, um, is still relevant, you know, and it's still really a great way to, to try something new or, um, be a part of that. So I, I, I think they both are, you know, social media and uh, real life interactions are are both, you know, they're they're both uh, important. Um, I wouldn't say that one over the other at this point. We're almost out of time, but before you go, we'd like you to participate in our final segment, Take Five. Five questions for our guests. First, let's pause and take a break. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello again, and welcome back. I'm George Hajar of SFA, speaking with Angela and Jessica of Janet's Finest. Okay, here are your five questions for our final segment, Take Five. Jessica, what is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry? We love, love, love that it's so collaborative and supportive. Angela, what's one thing that the SFA has made easier for you as a specialty food business owner? Uh, as mentioned before, the basics class was foundational for us. Mm -hmm. And then the follow-up with webinars and shows, everything about it. Mm-hmm. And this is a question for both of you. If you weren't running a business, what would you be doing? <laughs> I think we'd both love to be retired on a beach. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Especially with the snowfall we're getting in March. Mm-hmm. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> we're we're uh, we'd probably be running in different business, to be honest with you. Together, probably. Maybe. Um, maybe. What's one piece of advice you'd give a new food business? I'd say just hold on tight. It's a wild ride, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And how do you define specialty food? Look and find the food that is fun. Um, that is the, that's what specialty food is. I mean, it's all the fun stuff on the outer ring of the grocery stores, the bakeries, delis. I mean, they're they're just smorgasbords for fun combinations. A big thanks to Angela Kmeck and Jessica Amel for joining us today. You can find out more about this show at SpecialtyFood.com and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. Special thanks to Heritage Radio Network, a world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast. Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast, is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.